Hello everybody and welcome to Sound of Play. Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 243. Is that right? Is it really 243? That seems high. <laughs> Suddenly it seems it, we shouldn't have made that many. Anyway, <laughs> it's Joshua Garrity. Hello. 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 Hi, Josh. Hi. Uh, how are you doing? I'm all right. Um, yeah. Apart from, cool. you know... As we're recording, the world is on fire. But apart from that, I'm doing okay. It's a little bit on fire, but yeah. it's sort of for a lot of us who are lucky enough to just be able to uh, deal with it without any personal, any more personal drama than everyone else is going through. Yeah. Uh, the 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 new normality does become normality relatively quickly. I feel yeah. that's how that's how we humans adapt and survive. So yes, uh, obviously, if you're listening to this during. 2020 possibly it's, we're currently recording this on the 28th of march we don't know when things will get back to normal although the light at the end of the tunnel is it already is starting to get back to normal in certain places mm. uh, probably not where we places where we have many listeners though so yep stay safe stay indoors and all that if if all that is still going on listen to the expert advice and sit down and enjoy some tunes with us nine mm. video game tracks from a varying selection of games as always and we've opened the show already with something nice and cool mm. from a recent game astral chain josh you've opened the show with task force neuron why that one in particular yeah so um this track uh composed by satoshi igarashi um the reason why i picked it is um when you have like a hub area or a rest area or a save room, um, you want something that feels comfortable and uh, safe. But with like a poppy action game like Astral Chain, you don't want to 
ramp things down to the point where like with Resident Evil it makes sense that the the tension the momentum of the music just completely disappears and it just yeah, slows yeah. slows mm-hmm. all the way down but for a game like this which is poppy and silly and fun you don't necessarily want that you just want to indicate that this is a safe space and nothing tense or uh too demanding is going to happen here you're just you're having a chill time with your friends back at base camp and um there's some activities you can engage in you can train you can upgrade and stuff but you know it's still keeping that river that momentum and rhythm that was present in the the higher speed action scenarios um and i also love the way that the this track is actually played with in this hub area so there's right. we're not going to um listen to this version of it but there's a variant of it that kind of drops the vocals and kind of focus focuses more on the rhythm um of the track when you go onto computer screens to uh check your emails and shop for stuff and it's just mm. so slick the transition between the 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 two different tracks um i love the way it's implemented and yeah it's just a successful job of um just making the player feel at home and and uh, really and i listen to this when i'm doing like the washing up and stuff like that because right. it just chills me out entirely it just uh, like seeps out all the stress that i've been experiencing at work or anything completely right. out of me and um yeah it's i think it's a fantastic track it's a great piece of music um from uh, igarashi so on the game itself yeah uh, a bit of a grower is the sense I'm getting. I do own it, but uh, haven't started it yet. Yeah, I, I think uh, it takes a while to show its true strength. Um, it tutorializes for longer than it needs to, I think. Oh, really? And, mm. and yeah, holds back a lot of the more interesting mechanics. Um, but about an hour, an hour and a half in, once it's just completely let you off the leash, um, it, it becomes one of my favorites that Platinum have put out. Oh, exciting. Excellent. As always, or as usual, I should say, we have some requests from the Cana Rinse community. You can make your own if you head over to canarinse.com slash forum. It's a friendly place to talk video games and uh, a nice place to be right about now. There's a sound of play thread where you can pop in and add your tunes. You can embed them via a a little YouTube tag thing and uh, we can all enjoy and share them. And everything that gets put in there, we add on to our big long list of tunes to play at some point on the show. This one's quite a deep cut from a game that I know virtually nothing about from the original Xbox. I can't even remember if this got a mention on our Xbox console special, but it is a format exclusive. I'll hand over to Bloody Initiate, who says, while most of the music from the original Xbox game Death Row, or Death, he, he, he says, say Death Throw, Death Row, get it? Uh, it's sort of unremarkable. It was an incredible game and remains one of, if not my favourite video game of all time. I can't really stomach sports games, but Death Row creates its own sport called Blitz in the game, where you can have the alternate win condition of physically beating up the enemy team so badly they cannot continue. In addition to having a fun concept, the game was extremely well made and ran very well, even on a glitchy Xbox. My father joined my younger brother and I in playing it and this deeply enriched and already excellent experience. This track just feels chill and cool, which is about right for the main menu. Sadly, it was one of those games that came out right before Xbox Live was really ready 
and so its awesome multiplayer potential was consigned to split screen, system link, and the trick some people managed to play online before Xbox Live. This is simply known as Tune 6. <laughs> End Interactive's Death Throw, which was uh, released by Ubisoft, and that was by Novocaine.p. Your guess is as good as mine. That's from <laughs> 2002. Now, uh, this is probably our most retro track from uh, this show. This is from a 93, but it's uh, an early CD game, so it won't sound like a lot of tunes from 93. You can tell that uh, the Konami team were having fun playing with the PC Engine CD. Yeah, so this this track is um, Cemetery uh, by, uh, apologies if I get this pronunciation right uh, wrong, uh, Jigo Kukugurama uh, Nakamura. Um, I think that's that's pretty good. Yeah, it's, okay. a, it's a tricky one for us uh, English. <sighs> Thank God. Uh, Jay won't kill me. Um, so uh, this is from Castlevania Rondo of Blood. Um, I only just recently finished uh, Rondo of Blood this year, in fact. Um, it's really difficult, mm-hmm. um, but I I found it to be an incredibly well-designed um, action game. Um, I'd never played a kind of classic-style Castlevania. My right. experience is mainly with the uh, Symphony, and, Symphony of Night, uh, Igarashi uh, mold of Castlevania yeah. games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I picked this one as my first one, mainly because um, uh, I was really gelling with the aesthetic and the and the music uh, specifically. Yeah. Um, I love Richter's kind of blue tunic look versus uh, Simon Belmont's more kind of Conan the Barbarian look. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the soundtrack is such a great mix of like, so there's a lot of like remixed uh, versions of classic um, Castlevania tunes, but there's also some great original pieces in here. Bloodlines, which is already featured on sound of play Mm -hmm. is a fantastic opening piece of music. Um, But I picked cemetery because it's, I think it's the most atypical of all the tracks on the soundtrack. Um, Most of the others kind of have like a hard rock, feel to them whereas yeah. this has like a like a cresting wave feel to it like a like a, a strange momentum that i really like that's a little bit more um poppy rather than rocky even though that there's still some rock in there 
Yeah, and um, it's I I just really like it. It's a it's a fantastic piece of music, and uh, uh, the Rondo of Blood um, soundtrack is currently on Spotify. I don't know how long that's going to last. I oh. highly encourage people to check it out because it's it's the whole thing is fantastic. I picked this as my kind of representation of the whole soundtrack, but definitely go and listen to the whole thing if you have the opportunity. So this is uh, Cemetery by Jigo Kogomara Nakamura from Castlevania Rondo of Blood. Cemetery from Rondo of Blood, Konami's 1993 entry into that series. Originally, PC Engine CD, but if you don't have one of those to hand, it came out on PSP. You can play that version on Vita. It also came to Wii Virtual Console, but you can't download that anymore if you don't have it. However, it's also available these days on the Castlevania Anniversary Collection on all current formats. So finally, it's easy to get hold of and play and enjoy. Uh, we definitely do intend someday, although we did talk about 2D Castlevanias in passing in brief on our Symphony of the Night show all those years ago. I think there's there's a hankering and a desire among the team to go into that series in more depth someday, which would be nice. Now, an opening theme to a game that I don't know much more than the name about other than 
think this is by the people who made Asura's Wrath, isn't it? CyberConnect 2? Right, okay. Uh, uh, and this was a DS RPG, I think, uh, from 10 years ago. Our Xanadu requested it and says, I just want to show some love for Solatarobo. I think that's how you say it. Here's the introduction theme for the game in all its majestic glory. Chikayo Fukuda's And Then To Coda, which does sound very lovely. Uh, one of so, so many, literally hundreds of probably really good, enjoyable Japanese video games that have been released over the years, RPGs and adventures and other such things that um, 
just there's just so many of them it's hard to keep them all in your head let alone in your collection mm. and let alone getting around to play them um but yes if that inspired anyone then yeah solitarobo i expect i don't know it might be one of those that's rare or expensive to get hold of on ds who knows right now this is something from uh, something we might have expected from <laughs> from josh uh, we've recently covered the main the game that it's from on the Kane and Rinse podcast. This is from last year's Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. So this is by Yuka Kitamura. Now she is effectively from software's kind of go-to gal, right? Is she is she in-house or is she just their their number one pick every time they, they release a new game now? Uh I, I'm not entirely sure. I, I, I have to imagine she is in-house, given that she's pretty much in all of their uh, their recent output. I yeah. know um, she shared duties with some other composers on Bloodborne, um, mm-hmm. but as far as the Dark Souls series and, and, and more recently Sekiro, she's been their go-to. Um, but what I like about this soundtrack... Um, you know, specifically is even like even Bloodborne kind of treads on familiar, you know, musical language to the Dark Souls series, whereas Sekiro yeah. feels like it's going in a different direction. Mm. And Great Shinobi, which is the the track I've picked, um, is a really fantastic example of that because often with boss fights in Soul series. They try to either emphasize like the nobility of the warrior you're fighting or the tragedy of the warrior you're fighting. Yeah. Or if you're fighting a monster, it's the horror mm-hmm. of, of what you're fighting. Yeah. Whereas the boss fight here, um, you're fighting Owl, who is um, a legendary shinobi ninja. Um, he's a trickster. He has no nobility whatsoever. He uh, is more than willing to throw some powder in your face that completely disables your ability to heal yourself. He'll just oh, nice. throw fireworks on the floor. He'll trip you up. He'll, he'll try anything, anything to win the fight against you. And what I like about the music is that it kind of emphasizes speed and panic in the face of an enemy who's kind of from the same school of thought uh, in terms of combat as you, but is way more experienced and also way less honorable um, than the uh, than Sekiro is. Um, Owl is willing to just do anything to get his way, um, not just in this fight, but in, in the plot as well, which I won't get into. Um, but yeah, and, and I like how... Um, the track gets more and more like a piece of spy music as it goes along. Like the last bit of it, it like really emphasizes the percussion and ends up feeling like I don't know something like uh, like something out of a 1970s spy movie or something like that. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, I got that vibe. Yeah, and um, just kind of like because there's so many gadgets in that fight that it, it feels appropriate that. Um, that musical influence is coming in there. Yeah, it's um, it's it's really different from what um, I've come to expect from Souls, and I think it stands out um, amongst um, like uh, amongst the pantheon of my favorite tracks um, from 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 Software. So mm. this is Great Shinobi by Yuka Kitamura from Sekiro: Shadows Die Twice. Mm. 
stuff i still get slightly confused when i was uh, typing up the show notes not confused exactly but it still seems like an odd fit that activision released Sekiro somehow <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know why uh just uh, yeah I, uh, who knows uh, but i guess they are they now in partnership for for future releases do we know or is this um, was, was this a one-off deal i think it was a one-off deal because um Elden Ring is Namco Bandai, so they're going okay. back to the people that okay. they did Dark Souls with. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, they they self publish in Japan from yeah. software, but uh, but they always they always involve themselves. But yeah, that was this is the so far. Actually, I'm thinking, have they worked with Activision before on maybe some of the the other stuff, the mechy stuff? 
Possibly. Yes, they they definitely yeah, we we covered this on the uh, issue. They definitely have. I've completely blanked on the titles okay, <laughs> that they were, yeah. but yeah, oh, they do have a history. Yeah. Mm. Right now, this one uh, came in via email. This is simply from John requesting some music from the Black Mesa game, which is now officially after is it ten years of gestation? Yeah, ten years finished and out. Yeah. which is fantastic. Uh, couldn't have come at a better time for so many reasons and also coinciding just about with a new Half-Life game, which is getting rave reviews if you've got VR or if you're prepared to mod it, possibly not. You don't need VR. We shall see how that pans out. Uh, but yeah, this is... I'm, I decided I thought we'd actually put two tracks together here. The short intro, the Black Mesa theme and a track which seems to be wildly popular from the OST. So this is the Black Mesa theme segueing into Ascension brackets DE both by Joel Nielsen I guess this music was probably written a long time ago or at least some of it <laughs> but uh, but it's uh, obviously published in 2020 finally and officially and uh, all this does is just absolutely whets my appetite for finally playing this now that it's done Zen is there and massively improved by all accounts um, I think there was some. There was a comment this week from somebody who worked on Half Life. It was the yes, it was the level designer. I can't remember the name, but the 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 main level designer from Half Life, Alex, saying that that they, as a Valve employee working on canonical Half Life, would rather play Black Mesa than the original Half Life at this oh, point. God. So that they were super chuffed with that praise, even though they were saying, "Look, we would never advocate somebody not playing the original Half Life because it's our." one true love our inspiration our muse that we made this game for but actually for for valve people to be saying this is the even if it's non-official it's sanctioned and it is now legit so yeah black mesa don't forget it's out there listen to this
Black Mesa from Crowbar Collective. Joel Nielsen's amazing music there, I think. Uh, and yeah, it's on my it's on my wish list. Did you play it at any stage since it's been in early access? Yeah, yeah, I did. I I played it all the way up until uh, where you know where Zen is meant to be. I and see. And I want to go back because I my understanding is that. Um, that some of the rest of the campaign has had tweaks and adjustments as well. Yeah, I think so. So um, I'm, I'm quite eager to go back because I, I really like the first third of, of the original Half-Life. Um, right. But I think it kind of, I don't know, I, I find the, the, the last two thirds of it a little bit too focused on platforming and the mm. action gets yeah. a bit too overwhelming for me. Um, so I'm eager to see see that game um, uh, see that game with a with a, mod, a modern design lens uh, applied to it. So yeah, yeah, for sure, and and modern graphics as well, because yeah. as astonishing as Half Life the original looked in 1998, and even the source version brought things up to date a little bit in 2000 and whatever that was for. Uh, it's now it's starting to look a little bit old in some ways. Yeah. Uh, let's be honest. Right now, this one I wasn't aware that you'd played this. Is uh, have you completed Return of the Obradin? Yeah, yeah, I have. Oh, nice. um, it was a, it was an interesting uh, playthrough because I I played it in I, I use co op in inverted commas co op with my uh, partner Cat, um, and it was really fascinating because Cat's um, profession is that she's a historian and specifically a naval historian. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, having that insight was actually really useful for solving the puzzles because she was able to because for anyone who doesn't know what the the objective of this game is you're meant to kind of catalog the fates of all the crew members of the Obra Dinn um and and you know figure out their position their rank all of that stuff um and she was able to solve some of the puzzles by just saying he's wearing that hat so he's this rank That's and cool. it, and it was correct so um credit so cheated yeah I, I cheated yeah basically human encyclopedia yeah but you know credit to lucas pope um for doing that level of research where i can sit next to a historian and solve the puzzles that way i think that that's Too right a credit to to the the attention to detail that he applied to this um lucas pope is one of those those oh, people that is i know silly talented yeah uh he did pre so if you look at the credits for this game, <laughs> Lucas Pope basically did all of the creative work and then got freelancers involved in, I, I say this with respect, the, the, the more boring tasks involved <laughs> in making a game, like localization and, and all of that stuff. Um, so it, it's just the fact that the soundtrack is as good as it is, is is almost re repulsive that it's like <laughs> do you know what i mean like it's uh yeah it's and the art direction of the game everything about it is is to a really high standard um so i i picked the, the track i've picked from return of the Oberdin is the calling and i'll be honest i kind of just picked this track to represent the whole game um and i it's my one of my favorites but i think what um I would say about the whole soundtrack is that it does such a good job of marrying the kind of 
digital computerized style of the game with the kind of cultural uh, view of the era it's set in. So this music isn't really actually music that would have been played at this time, no. but it's uh, through Hollywood, through pop culture, this kind of style is what we associate with pirate movies, with anything that's um, focused in, in in this particular era of naval history. Um, so it, it uses a lot of like digital samples of instruments um, that definitely sound, you know, computerized, but they it still manages to feel appropriate. So it's it's a great little marriage of of style and and era. Um, I also think the the soundtrack does an excellent job of um, uh, anchoring the player in the timeline because the flashbacks that you have about what happened to the crew do not happen in chron- chronological order. It's yeah. all all over the place, and it's up to you to figure out the order. Mm. Um, but the music does a great job of immediately making you think, right, okay, I'm at this point in the story. Because these f- themes are used uh, several times. It's not just uh, you know one flashback. So you know that, okay, we're in, we're in this point in time where stuff, really is, stuff is uh, starting to kick off. Mm. Um, and then you're able um, to kind of use that information to link memories together and go, right, if I need to find out this information, the, I know through the music that these three memories are kind of connected together. So it's, it serves a, like a, a gameplay function, not just a, you know a pleasant aesthetic function. Very clever. Um, yeah. And I also like that um, the music has a kind of beat and momentum to it that kind of pushes you as a player forward without feeling like it's not an action game, so it's not appropriate for it to be like really, you know, um, really like uh, upping the rhythm to the point where you feel like you have to move at a breakneck pace. Driving you, yeah. yeah. But I, I I feel like the game would be missing um, a sense of, like, direction if it was just completely silent, if it was just, like, you're viewing... Like, it would almost be like you're walking around a museum or an art gallery or something like mm-hmm. that if there was nothing there or just some ambient music. Mm-hmm. But by adding this uh, rhythm to the background... It feels like okay, even though I'm not in danger, the events that I'm witnessing have stakes, and um, what's happening to these characters matters, and it's important that I solve this um, for their, you know, their memory and their families. Um, yeah, so um, Oberdin, fantastic, uh, fantastic music. So this is the calling by Lucas Pope from Return of the Oberdin.
We'll be covering Return of the Obra Dinn later in the year on the other podcast, Kana Rince, the video game discussion review podcast. You can find that on the usual places, platforms, Spotify even. But if you want it early and often extended, you can sign up for our Patreon. Just $2 a month, details later. Uh, Lucas Pope, I feel, maybe this is just my perception, but uh, looking at his CV, I feel like he should be more of a household name for yeah. hardcore gamers, at least, than he is. So he was at Naughty Dog. He started at Naughty Dog while Uncharted 1 was already in development. He then stayed at Naughty Dog all the way through the rest of Uncharted 1 and Uncharted 2, and then left during Uncharted 3's development. After that, he's made Papers, Please and Return of the Obra Dinn. So yeah. his hit, his sort of hit ratio is is reasonable. Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> and he doesn't. He on doesn't, top of that, he doesn't seem to put himself out there in the same way that a Jonathan Blow or someone of <laughs> yeah. that standing does. Yeah. So he kind of just quietly puts out these really great games. He's a bit enigmatic. Uh, I notice even from his, uh, we know that he uh, has a, a Japanese wife. He lives in Japan. He has two children. Uh, his age is something of a mystery. Like he's uh, his date of birth is not on his Wikipedia. Age nineteen, um, age forty two to forty three, something like. That. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yes, well, maybe someday we'll get him on for an interview or something. Um, I'm obviously we wouldn't be his first port of call, but uh, yeah, I I am just I'm, I've said it so many times on this show because it comes up because we say yeah this guy made the game oh and this amazing music that we're sharing and I realise yeah, there's. There's a lot of talented people out there, but somebody who can not only make a game and all the music and have that game and music be, you know, like really highly regarded and, and well made and really interesting is just I'm not saying we don't do anything valuable by making video game podcasts, but it's a whole other level of like <laughs> contribution to the world, I have to say. Uh, anyway, uh, we shall entertain you as best we can without being uh, Mensa-level geniuses or whatever. Uh, we have another piece for you here, and I picked this one partly because it's from a new uh, song requester from the community, a Jaw Manx, uh, but also because I thought Josh might have something to say about it. <laughs> Jaw Manx says, I've been playing Persona 5 for the last couple of weeks, and it has been an amazing experience overall. But this song struck me for all the things that it can make you feel. Just last night, I finished Futaba's Castle, and I'll be missing humming along with this while doing the puzzles and evading the freaking annoying Anubis monsters. Every track in the OST is pretty good, but this is a nice standalone piece. Let's mm. enjoy the days when my mother was there.
Shoji Meguro, because it's a Persona game. We've done a Persona special before. That was you and Leah, right, Josh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so check that one out in the Sound of Playback catalogue for a load of Persona stuff from Shoji. Now, Persona 5, s- sort of surprisingly, is actually now four years old, going back yeah. to its original Japan release. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it takes a while. It took a while for it to come out here. And we're now just getting the sort of revised and updated version, which has had some absolutely spectacular reviews. But, Josh, have they been spectacular enough for you to think I could replay that? You see, I put so many hours into Persona 5, the first one. Um, and I, I, when before the reviews came out, I basically said, right, it's great that they're putting it out there, but I can't justify putting another 90 to 100 hours into a game I've Mm. already played. But then just reading the reviews and seeing just how glowing they are, basically it sounds like they've gone through the entirety of the campaign and ironed out everything that was criticised about the initial release, Hmm. um, including some, um, you know, quite problematic homophobia that features in the game, which was good to hear about. They kind of rethought that. People stamping their feet about uh, censorship, but actually relocalization. Yeah. Um, is yeah. it then? So, this is Persona 5 Royal. Yeah. And it's already been out in Japan for a few months. Uh, it's coming out here this week as we record. Hmm. Now, is it? I'm, I'm curious. I assumed there was going to be a PC version this time around because that seems to be the way things happen now, but no? Uh, not as far as I, I'm aware. Um hmm. I think it's currently I, they must be you know talking about bringing it to other platforms, but I think it's this, how it works these days, isn't it? Yeah. You release a PC version. Even Sony games are coming to PC platforms. Yeah. So, it, it, and also I'm curious: is Royal coming to PS3, which is now a almost 15 year old <laughs> system? I have to imagine it's not. Um, I mean, the, the, I know the sales breakdown of the uh, initial release of Persona 5, it was vastly, uh, PS4 was vastly in the majority. Yeah. Um, so I, I think they probably, I mean, it's, it's been a few PS3. years since then, yeah. uh, you know, since even the American, US, uh, European release. So they must have thought, yeah. it's a complete waste of time. We're, we're on the verge of an, another generation. Why, why do that? That said, um, I was uh, I was cursing the fact that the PS3 is no longer really supported this week because we've got one in the lounge as a kind of Blu-ray player, yeah, uh, and a media player, and there's no Disney Plus app on it. Oh, so, yeah, so slightly annoying. Anyway, uh, but yes, so obviously you've talked a lot about the music before. Was that one that pick one that uh, stood out to you when playing it, or is it just one that uh, another one of many? I, th- I think it's it's not a track that I would listen to um, in isolation, but I feel like it's really appropriate for what's going on in um, Futaba's uh, palace. Um, a little bit of context. I'll, I'll avoid complete spoilers, but um, mm-hmm. uh, Futaba is um, agoraphobic and also suffers from social anxiety. Right. And this pyramid is basically a way of closing off the rest of the world She's also suffering from some trauma that I won't get into that is mm. um, featured. I, I, the title of the track will give you some indication of what that trauma is. Yes. Um, but, um, yeah, I I think it's a really appropriate piece of music where somebody's trying to fixate on 
better times and and uh great memories that they have but there's like a creeping darkness of the real world and the future in there um that i find really effective so it's not it's not amongst my favorite tracks but it's a really effective piece for the the point in the story that it's set cool we covered persona 5 you guys did not yeah. me yeah back in Kane and Rince podcast issue 368 check it out on kaneandrince.com or the usual podcast places or even spotify it's there for you so, uh, well, we're coming up to our final track for this sound of play. Thanks for joining me, Josh. No problem. Uh, well, you wouldn't have been doing much else, right? <laughs> <laughs> Every day is just planning meals. I find it's just oh, like, well, yeah, could be worse. Yeah, yeah. True. Um, I hope you're taking your daily constitutional as well. Yes, yes. And uh, yeah, trying not to go insane. <laughs> Uh, thank you also to our community contributors. Keep the requests coming, canerince.com slash forum, as I say. And we like to include them in most of the regular shows. And uh, it's a good way of sharing your favourite pieces, pieces that mean something to you, pieces with a story behind them. Let us know. And, uh, yeah, we will do that as long as you want us to. So something to... <laughs> <laughs> Something for the times uh, for this uh, last track, a sombre one to, to end with, although sort of strangely uplifting as well. So definitely avoid spoilers for this one for me as much as the listener, because I really want to play this game, but I'm saving it for when I can give it due attention. This Outer Wilds, by all accounts, seems like a game that if it gets you, it really, really, really gets you. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, completely fell head over heels in love with Outer Wilds. Um, I think what Mobius Digital um, achieved is both kind of really bold and original, but also like, like usually you have games that are really creative and, uh, but they're a little bit like technically uh, a bit shaky. There'll be, you know, the execution will be a little bit shaky. Mm. Um, whereas this, it felt like it simultaneously was breaking new ground while also executing it to a standard that uh, I can't, I can't imagine anyone mm. doing any better. Um, so, there, like, to, to, talk, to talk about the music rather yes. than the game, yes. um, "End Times" by Andro Pralo um, uh, is the track. So, this isn't a spoiler. Um, every time, um, the, the, every session with the game lasts around 22 minutes, I think. Um, and at the end of that 22 minutes, uh, the sun supernovas, um, and then Majora's you... Mask style game, yeah. surely an inspiration for absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I was going to say, um, this, this track reminds me a lot of the kind of the last hours yeah. of Majora's Mask. What I the the one difference though is whereas that track in Majora's Mask feels very harrowing and <laughs> haunting. Yeah. This has like a melancholic beauty to it. So yeah. as things are coming to an end, the whole solar system is coming to an end. There's like this quiet reflection on everything that has been the people that have kind of shaped these planets and um and the the like amazing science and technology that the you know both the alien race that you're a part of and 
um, others that I won't get into um, are, uh, are you've witnessed. Um, it's just it's really strangely beautiful, and it's a track that you end up hearing a lot, and it's one that I found found like weirdly. Even though there's a little bit of panic when that that music start first starts chiming in, sure. and you go, "Oh crap! I oh, oh no! I need to uh, read everything in this room before the sun blows up." <laughs> um, but yeah. um, but then when when you're just kind of exploring, there's the temptation to just kind of find the highest spot you can find on a planet, and then just stare at the sun mm. as it envelops everything. Um, and it's just one of the most memorable moments in a game in, in recent history for me. Um, so yeah, this is um, End Times by Andrew Parlow from the Outer Wilds. Let us ruminate and we'll see you next time on Sound of Play. <laughs>